You know why I'm so passionate about Music to Code By? Because it works. I'm still getting a steady stream of success stories from developers just like you who sail effortlessly through hours of coding. There's only one problem. They can't get enough. Well, not only are we up to track 13, but you can download them all in one shot for a new low price. The collection was 54 bucks just a little while ago, still only a little more than 4 bucks a track, but now you can get all 13 for only 39 bucks. That's only 3 bucks a track. Yeah, that's more like it. 325 minutes of pure bliss. Go get it now at collection.musictocodeby.net. .NET Rocks, episode 1339, with guest Joseph Woodward. Recorded Friday, July 22nd, 2016. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. We're here again for another hour of awesomeness. And uh, what can I tell you, my friend? Did I tell you I had Joel Hewlin and his family over for dinner? Well, yes, you did. And I saw your 360-degree camera shot. That was really cool. Yeah, that was right at the end of the night. And they finally noticed I had a HoloLens stuffed in the corner. So everybody got a turn on the HoloLens. That's a lot of fun. I think their littlest one was wearing it when we took the 360 photo. Yes. Yeah. Good stuff. uh, uh, Five kids, you know, and and thanks, Joel and Shauna, for taking one for the team and making some smart babies. Four boys, one girl, some of the nicest kids I've ever met. They were good to each other. They were pleasant to be around. We really had a great time. And for those of you who don't know, Joel Hewlin uh, developed our new website. He was one of our guys at AppV Next, and I say Mm -hmm. was because he moved on. He he was uh, hired off by one of our clients. And uh, just a great developer and one of those guys that comes along once in a while who you just uh, is impressive. Yep. And and was on this big uh, road trip with his family. You know, they they bought a transit van, man. Like when you have five <laughs> kids, you need space. Yeah. That's <laughs> and, right. And so, yeah, they were, they have the pass through BC. So, uh, put them up for uh, dinner for one night and they continued on their journey. Well, you know, the true American way is to wrap the kids in Velcro suits and hang them in the back of a U-Haul. So, well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that, that transit van's big enough. He could stack them like cordwood on the on the roof rack, no problem. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Uh, Joseph Woodward is here. We're going to be talking to him in just a few minutes. But first, let's talk about something that I found this week for Better Know a Framework. Awesome. All right, man, what do you got? Well, let me tell you the gist of it. It's uh, Just Run. <laughs> just Run is a site for running... <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah. No, are you punning? Already, You're punning. Already, already I'm reaching. Yeah. Puns in the morning. Uh, Gist Run is a site for running, creating, and updating GitHub Gists. With Gist Run, you can easily share Gists on Stack Overflow, which is really a huge feature. And Gists, if you don't know, are little snippets of code that you can share anonymously even on GitHub. So it's at gist.run. How's that for easy? And also, of course, 1339.pwop.me. Awesome, dude. I did not know about this. That is really neat. That's cool stuff. Cool. Who's talking to us, my friend? 
Grabbed a comment off of show 1273, the one we did back in March with John Papa talking about Angular 2. Angular 2. Angular 2. And uh, the comment comes also from a John who says, I think using the right library or tool for the job is important, as the commenter suggested. This was a comment on 1273. Right. If your page is just some static information, then the static page is good. If you'd like your page to be a little more seamless, but it doesn't warrant making a full-blown spa, then something like Intercooler could be useful. Granted, I wish it didn't rely on jQuery. I don't know why we got to hate jQuery quite so much. I don't know. I don't know. Or just plain vanilla JS. If you need a little more interaction, then use a small library like Mithril, which packs a lot more power in a small framework. If you're creating a complex app, then use frameworks that are built for complexity, like Angular or React, and so on. There is nothing worse than going to a simple website and having to wait for it to download, or being on a slow phone and waiting for download, even with decent internet speed, Mm. or if you're reaching an international audience and waiting for all sorts of who knows what's going to happen when you can just go to their page. Yeah. Not everything is a nail and not every website should be treated like a nail. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, more of the debate around just how much framework do you need? And I appreciate that guys like Chris Love exist. In fact, so does John. Yeah. Because he goes on to say, I read Chris Love's book and I have to say I enjoy his passion, but it seems like it would be really difficult to write a vanilla JS app and have to think about every kind of browser. So I'm glad frameworks exist, but we can still try and keep them on a diet. Well, you know, I don't know. If you stick to certain things, it's just going to work. Like um, I wrote the new admin in Vanilla JS, and it works great on every browser I've thrown at it. And, you know, it's basically just simple stuff, right? Simple DOM yep. stuff and uh, there's, it, you know, just with the current browser, it just doesn't seem to matter anymore. You know, it's the backward compatibility thing. If we had to make that thing run on IE6, for example, we'd probably have more problems. Yeah, yeah, but I just don't care about that because it's just you, me, and a few other people that use it. Yeah, none of us are going to do that. Right. Maybe I'll start editing. Um, I'll start editing shows on an iPad just to annoy you. I think that'd be awesome. Actually, I'd love to find out what uh, needs to be you know, change to support that. In fact, I have an iPad. Safari. Yeah, I have an iPad here. I'll I'll try it myself. Very cool. Good idea. Well, yeah, because we, you know, what we do this in our keynote, right? right? It works great as long as you're running Chrome. Right. <laughs> Everything works great when you run in Chrome. Just don't run in Safari and you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's fine. Just don't do that. Why would you yeah. do that? I don't ever do that. <laughs> Yep, that's the problem, right? It's just all our reflexes are such that we are naturally creating a monopoly. Right. Uh, although people are getting frustrated with Chrome, too. It is getting bulky and yeah, and fussy, and there's too many. And, you know, you get to this place of, I, I'm looking at mine right now, too many plugins. I got to mm-hmm. turn some of these things off. Mm-hmm. They're just getting out of control. Well, you know, we still use our old Silverlight uh, app to upload files and stuff because it works really well. And turns yeah. out Firefox is the only browser that supports it now. <laughs> Oh, my. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. That's going to be rewritten soon. Yeah, I guess. But file transfers is one of those tricky things, just hard to do, you know, without a little bit of a plugin. Yeah. Yep. So, John, thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media, because we publish every show to Facebook and Google+. Plus. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. And send us a tweet. We add them to our gists. Nice. Nice. 
And now let's bring back to the show Joseph Woodward. He is a Southwest England-based .NET software engineer currently working at Just Eat for the International Platforms team. Having spent the first part of his career programming predominantly in PHP, Joe realized the joys he was missing when he started getting his feet wet in the .NET world almost five years ago. Outside of work, Joe is an active member of the .NET community and helps organize .NET Southwest user group. Joe also enjoys speaking at local meetups and conferences, sharing, learning, growing, contributing to open source projects, blogging, and trying to play the piano. You can find Joe blabbing on about software on Twitter at at Joe underscore mighty or via his blog at josephwoodward.co.uk. And when talking to Joe, be sure not to mention TypeScript because you won't be able to shut him up about it. <laughs> Welcome, Joe. I will literally chew your ear off about it. Literally, nice. not literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, I won't stop. I love you, it. It's you're so going to Mike Tyson me all about TypeScript? <laughs> <laughs> nice 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 you know that show we did with you back in december talking about studio 2015 uh, shortcuts one of the most commented shows ever it's like there's over 50 yep. comments on that show yeah yeah i noticed i was actually really really happy with that i was, I was quite pleasantly mm -hmm. surprised to be fair well it's one of the we're all in studio we just forget what's in there yeah. This is a thing, I suppose, is one of those shows that kind of caters to a lot of people. Depending, you know, it's, it's not specific to web developers. It's, hmm. yeah, it's anybody in Visual Studio, really, isn't it? Yeah, really. Cross-cutting concern. Or even not in Visual Studio. I mean, there's a lot of people that are listening that don't, don't even use it. Yeah, yeah, that's very true, actually. But no, it was, it was a pleasant surprise. I was really glad to see it had such a, a good reception. Yeah. Don't worry, that won't happen again. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Shall I just go now? Because <laughs> now we're talking about Angular 2 CLI. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, whoop, whoop. Let's talk about it. Now we know what Angular 2 is. We've talked to various people about this. We've been talking about it for well, ever since before it came out. Actually, we talked to yeah. Rob Eisenberg Everybody about has, it. haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so using the command line interface, how, how and why? Well, it's probably worth starting off with the why, really, to begin yeah. with. It seems like everybody wants a, a CLI these days. You've got the uh, the .NET Core team sort of working towards a, a CLI as well. Mm -hmm. um, it just seems to be sort of in these days in the, the the modern the modern sort of architecture. It seems to be one of those those things that you you really need. Yeah, especially for anybody who grew up playing Infocom games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that feels right at home. Yes, I mean, you know, a, a prime example is you imagine you've got this, this great idea for a web app you're going to build. I don't know, some, um, some guest book or something for, for dog owners and okay. you want to go and build it. You want a, a nice, rich sort of, uh, a rich front end experience. And you know, you've got to use JavaScript for that. And all of a sudden you run into this, this wall that's called the JavaScript fatigue, yeah. you know, setting yeah. up all of your dependencies, you go up your M NPM dependencies, your, your, your transpilers or your, your Babel um, compilers, mm. Mm. Um, whereas a, a CLI kind of takes all of that that out of the equation. It really kind of lowers the barrier for entry. Mm -hmm. hmm. I remember watching a um, a talk by I can't remember the guy's name now at uh, NGConf, and he he put out a quick survey just asking people, you know, why what what would stop people from using Angular um, or Angular two? And one of the, the the biggest responses were the kind of the the getting set up the process of kind of getting that initial hmm. project set up um that's exactly what kind of the, the angular cli um aims to solve and it does a, a great job of it too and then the benefits you get of um of a cli is the you know that the kind of tool extensibility and also just increasing accessibility to, to everybody you may have people that 
have never used Angular before um, and, you know, may never have set up Node before. And, um, you know, the CLI kind of caters to, to them. I wonder if there's resistance from people who think that even if I'm using a CLI, I'm still going to get fatigued just with all the details of the stuff that I have to know about what this thing is doing and where it's putting stuff and what tools I'm getting and all of that. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, it, you know, it, do- it definitely doesn't take that away from the equation. Um, I think the, the, the thing to remember, though, is it kind of, it stops that massive headache. It, it allows you to go from sort of zero, from, from nothing to something in a very short period of time, something that follows the mm. style guides, the best practices. And it kind of paves the way there to kind of, you know, try and help you fall into that, that pit of success that developers want to, to fall into when using these tools. You know, they don't want to spend ages wrestling with the tooling, especially before they've managed to get anything working. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's always that front-end load when you have an idea and you're just trying to get to something running enough to start exploring that idea. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, yeah. And the, um, you know, a CLI kind of goes a long way to, to, to help you kind of get that, that prototype up and running. I mean, this studio was, we started talking about studio. Studio was always good at this. Mm-hmm. You know, file new ASP.NET app, you're running, you know, the, right. the, 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 the sample class is there. You've got that stupid form, screen on, but you are running. You make changes, you, you, you run again, and there it is. And there's a lot of stuff going on, even uh, shelling out to command line stuff. The compiler is a command line tool. So Visual Studio essentially runs a process for the, the compilation, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And you can see this in the, in the latest sort of, in, in the latest.NET core. When you're in Visual Studio and you're building your project, you can see it's just piping those commands yeah. to the, uh, the .NET CLI. Um, and I think that's kind of one of the strengths that a, a CLI kind of adds to the whole equation is, you know, is additional tooling support there. They, they can all lean off of that, uh, that command line interface. So yeah, it's, you know, it's really interesting to see that kind of that, that move and also that happening in, in Visual Studio. The commands that are being run against the .NET CLI are becoming very transparent. Well, because my, my argument always been for a CLI is so that you can script it. Yes, definitely. The fact that the, I kind of like the idea that you put a GUI over top that just shows you what commands it would have written, that you could have written to just script it. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, that transparency, I think, ultimately helps, doesn't it? And then, yeah. you know, also having that added ability to be able to pipe commands into the CLI helps with things like your, um, you know, your, your deployment pipeline and things like that. It, it stops mm-hmm. you from having to write any additional, you know, tooling around that. It's kind of just, it's, it's there out of the box. I mean, not that I would ever do this, but I've absolutely been in this situation where it's like we want to deploy this app and it only runs through Visual Studio. So we talk about putting Visual Studio on the server. Yeah. At which point you go, please, please don't do that. <laughs> yeah. it's, not, it's not just a license violation. It's also just an incredibly bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So the fact that we see these command lines and so forth so that we can see a lighter weight way to do these various tasks than actually working through the GUI. Yes, and it kind of also caters to those people that do like using a, a command line. There seems to be quite a resurgence of the command line lately, doesn't yeah. there? You know, tools like Visual Studio Code, a super lightweight editor, it leans on, sort of on, on command lines quite heavily. Well, I would argue all development outside of Studio for the most part now is much more that composable. Your, your compiler's over here and your debugger's over there and your runtime's over there and you, you sort of pick your pieces and assemble them and you invariably build a set of scripts to speed that process up in your write a little, run a little, make some changes, do it again, you know, cycle of, of writing software. Yeah. 
So now we all agree that a CLI is a good thing. What does it do in terms of Angular? What does the Angular CLI do for us? So it's got a whole a whole host of features, really. Um, I mean, it's called, it's probably worth saying that it's called the Angular CLI, but it's specific to Angular 2 only. There's no way ah. you can, you know, you can use it with Angular 1. Um, okay. So I, I, don't, I don't know why it's not called the Angular 2 CLI. It's just, you know, it's the way it is. Um, but yeah, in terms of the features, you know, you've got all your basic features there from being able to, to generate a new a new project, um, again, kind of reducing that barrier to entry. Um, and those, those projects are based off of the latest style guides, so the, the style guides that John Papa has been, uh, has been working towards and kind of encourages that best practice from the, the get go and also creates, um, all of your base unit tests. I mean, I, I'm certainly guilty when it comes to, uh, to unit tests in JavaScript, as I imagine a lot of people yeah, are. Sure. It's, uh, it's certainly not as nice as it, as it is in the, you know, in the sort of the .NET world. Um, so the fact that kind of gets you, gets you going on those. Um, is great. And on top of that as well, it sets you up with all the, uh, the kind of the, the base structure for end to end tests. So you've really got no, uh, no excuse not to be testing your application. Yeah. You're definitely heading down that path. I just think it's kind of uh, my, my automatic reflex when you tell me this is CLI for Angular is like, I'm sorry, isn't that a client library? Why does it need a command line? Hmm. I, I, I suppose why not though? I mean, ultimately you're developing in it, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. You know? You can't leave all that down to the uh, the translation and the building of the components all down to the uh, the the user. I mean, ultimately, these you know some of these applications are becoming sort of very very client rich, um, and you need some way to be able to manage that. But if I said to you, I have a JavaScript CLI, you know, hmm. what is what would what's the point of that? I mean, maybe it's because there's a lot there's more configuration and things like that with uh, Angular, huh? It depends what you mean by JavaScript CLI, doesn't it? I mean, you look at, uh, you know, you look at Node and NPM and that's, you know, that's effectively a, there, a JavaScript yeah. based, yeah. Well, that's, that's like a REPL though, right? Yes, but it is, you know, it still sort of goes on the premise of, of taking commands and, and kind of delivering a result from it. So you, okay. you install packages via, you know, it's CLI. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see that. I mean, it's been interesting to see sort of JavaScript move into the server anyway, hasn't it? Um, mm hmm. You know, some of the things I want to talk about later, such as the um, the node services that Steve Sanderson has been been working on uh, for .NET Core, yeah. kind of involve you know running JavaScript um, you know in the context of, of, of .NET Core and in C Sharp, which is really interesting. It's amazing to see sort of how far it's it's actually spreading. It seems like one of those languages that it's worth knowing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so going back to the features of the uh, the Angular CLI, um, you know on. On top of the the project creation, you've got you've got um, sort of aliases there to be able to create components and, and, and instant, instantly create these you know these components that you can start to use. And again, it will sort of lay down all the the, the basics there using the the, the proper naming conventions mm. and all mm. of the um you know the the base tests. Again, it all kind of forces you down that route to ensure that you're going the right way. Um, anybody that's new to it, you know, they they can instantly kind of feel quite familiar with it all. Now, where is it creating these things? Is this is it poking? Is it connecting to a web server and actually putting it in? I mean, I hate to say IIS because I'm so old, but <laughs> it's Kestrel or you know, pick your web server that can that you know, is it actually pushing stuff to the web server? Or is it just all on the client? No, so it's all on the client. So as you're well, it's on the on the developer's machine. So as you're actually developing right. it, you're building your you know your your, your guest book for for dog owners, and mm -hmm. all of a sudden you want to start adding another page in there. Mm -hmm. um, 
So instead of having to go into your editor and start sort of right-clicking, creating new components, ensuring they're following the proper style guides um, and creating all the necessary tests, you can simply run a uh, an ng-generate component followed by the component name and it will automatically generate all of that for you and it saves you, you know, a good five minutes of, of extra work when you start to include, you know, forgetting to, you know, sort of add certain files or misspelling certain API calls. It just, you know, ultimately kind of increases the the speed of, of creating some of these components and it you know it doesn't doesn't go for just components it's also directives and the services um can also be be created through it right so is that with the generate command that does most of this stuff yeah that's right so you've got the uh the ng generate and they do have aliases so if you you know you want to speed up you can go you can just type ng space g and then component and then your component name um and the same goes for a lot of the other the other commands. Mm-hmm. So when you see um, you see people that are quite familiar with the commands using it, you know it does become um, quite astonishing how sort of fast they're moving and how quickly they're able to put together a um, you know quite a, a rich client side. And I love that we're talking about using a CLI to move faster. That's that's awesome yeah. to me. Yeah. But I get why that's true because I have right clicked my way through this stuff in Studio. This takes time. Mm-hmm. It does definitely, doesn't it? Yeah. So let's talk about the things we can do with generate. We can generate a component, a directive, a route, and yeah, a pipe. Yeah, pipes, services. Um, yeah, the routes as well. At the moment, there's recently been a change to um, the latest version of Angular where they've introduced a new um, new routing. Um, they basically kind of just stripped out the existing one and replaced it um, with some more sort of powerful features. So right now, as it stands, uh, because this... This Angular CLI is still is still in an early beta version, yeah. um, as, as you know, as tooling usually is. It seems to to sort of be slightly behind the actual release of the the, the software it's creating. Mm. Um, you know, it does actually say that you can't do this right now, but it's it's working in progress. Okay. Um, but as well as sort of generating all of your your major components and, and features, um, you can also generate builds um, and bundling through. That's always one of the, the the pain points you have when when developing a JavaScript application or just writing JavaScript in general is kind of that um, that that build process that you you know you need to to create. Yeah, and uh, you can also uh, get and set config uh, options, right? Yeah, that's right. And things like env- environmental variables. I mean, going back to the um, I, I don't want to miss this just because it's such a powerful feature, powerful feature. But going back to the the build and the bundling, um, one of the the great features about the API design of Angular two and its use of sort of ES twenty fifteen modules is um, its ability to highly optimize the, uh, the the final sort of minified payload um, when you run sort of the ng build dash prod command it um it essentially kind of looks at your code base um analyzes your code base and and, and does a whole bunch of tree shaking uh, and what i what i mean by tree shaking is it will basically just remove anything that you're not using so whereas before with some frameworks you you kind of import them wholesale with angular 2 you've got this ability for the uh you know the build tool to to shake out all of those those files and those classes that you're not actually using you know maybe sort of directives that you're not using um and, and create this sort of really optimized final output. Um, and certainly the Angular 2 team have been, have been talking about the, um, the, the size they've been able to get a basic Hello World app down to uh, the size of sort of 50 kilobytes after minification and, and gzipping, which has been quite impressive. Yeah. Nice. 
Yeah, it's just all these things, you know, when you start to read about them, you, you know, you start to think, well, that's actually quite, quite powerful, especially when, um, the Angler 2 team at, uh, NG Conf were, were talking about how they consider Angler 2 being more of a, um, a platform than a, a, a framework. You know, they're going after that kind of, that, that reach across sort of mobile devices, um, websites. And, you know, you look at the, the success of things like, um, Electron, um, you know, it, it's kind of ideal for those situations as well. Yeah. Especially when you take in consideration Visual Studio Code is is um is an electron application. So the, it also integrates with some tools like Codalizer, right? The Codalizer linter. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So you can also do linting as well, which um, you know, the fact you've got TypeScript in there um will will save you a lot of a lot of hassle. You know, TypeScript is great for catching some of those, you know, those potential errors, um, especially in kind of the later versions of TypeScript. What is a linter anyway? So a linter basically is just a way of analyzing the code for for potential errors. You know, with JavaScript, it's a bit of a a, a funny language um, in the way it's in some of its implementations, um, and it can sometimes be quite uh, quite error prone, as can naturally as can most languages. Mm. Um, but you know, especially especially JavaScript. So a linting kind of helps prevent those silly errors that you don't necessarily see at first until they turn around and bite you on the ass. Mm-hmm. But you know, as a, as a huge TypeScript pro uh, fan, if you're um, you know, if you're using TypeScript, which Angular Two is, is built in, then you know, out of the box, you're going to get a lot of that, uh, you know, that that protection that you get. Let's call it linting. <laughs> you're going to get that linting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah fair enough. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm not even going to do a joke about lint. Just trust me on this. I I will not joke about lint. Believe How's me. How's that working out for you? And I see in the docs here, it says when you use NGLint, it's using Codalizer. Isn't that a third-party library? I believe it is, yes. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. the Angular 2, um, I keep saying Angular 2, but the Angular CLI is a composition of a lot of third-party libraries. In fact, it's actually, the CLI itself is built on top of the Ember CLI. Yeah. And it's been great to see the um, the amount of success it's had with kind of um, the, the community that's rallied around it. It was originally kind of started by Google, um, but, and the Angular team, but it's been great to see, you know, the number of, of contributors. Uh, it seemed like it's, you know, it's something a lot of people want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's good that good ideas are being borrowed across these libraries that it made sense for Ember. So it makes sense for Angular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's nice to see sort of, you know, it's nice to see these, these libraries sharing these things as well. It's, I think there's nothing worse than when you see, you know, sort of, battles between frameworks and and libraries you know yeah. it's nice to see as the community people are a lot more um you know a lot more sort of given like that absolutely hey richard campbell yeah buddy guess what time it is right now time to stop interrupting you yes and it's also <laughs> time to announce a new four-dimensional cli for angular 2 it's called rectangular ah uh, <laughs> uh, could have been dumb. quadrangular but okay <laughs> Yeah, you know, let's just splitting hairs. Nice. <laughs> Rectangle, jam near Kilder. <laughs> like I know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's actually time to give away a copy of Infragistics' awesome Ignite UI, the complete HTML5 and JavaScript toolkit to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Ignite UI is the complete HTML and JavaScript toolkit to build modern browser experiences on any device, desktop, tablet, or phone. Designed for the enterprise, you'll create high-performance, touch-first, responsive apps with AngularJS directives, bootstrap support, and Microsoft MVC server-side widgets. Check it out at igniteui.netrocks.com. 
All right, buddy. So who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Marco Spatz. Ah, congratulations, Marco. Yeah. Golf clap for you, sir. Golf clap for Marco Spatz. Marco just won Ignite UI, a big pile of awesome from our friends at Infragistics, just for being a member of the fan club. If you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .net Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .net Rocks fan club, but you got to sign up to win. And uh, we also like to ask our guests, Joseph, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology, what would you buy? Oh, I've been thinking about this one now. I think the first thing I would buy is a .NET Rocks mug. (laughs) (laughs) Can you you buy it? Can you actually buy them? You could buy a box of .NET Rocks mugs. Can I buy one? (laughs) Oh, okay. For (laughs) $5,000. Yeah, right. I I wish you'd asked me that question before uh, before Brexit because now it's, uh, you know, it's not worth so much. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, the mug just um, keeps getting more expensive. Yeah, right. Um, M- my cost yeah, so once pounds. I've got my mug, I think I think I'd have to go for either a um, Oculus Rift or the uh, what's the HTC Vive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm loving the whole sort of virtual reality. Last time I was on the show, it was uh, it was a Hololens, and I had the you know the sort of pleasure of being able to use a, a Hololens not so long ago, and. Um, Oh, they're amazing. But yeah. yeah, I think this time around, I'd have to go with the, uh, the the virtual reality rather than augmented reality. Sure. Well, and you kind of need a high-powered computer to go with it. I don't know. Are you already punching that kind of video card weight right now, the, the NVIDIA 980 Ti or above? I wish. I've got two children and a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to spend the rest money? of that money on the computer it takes to run it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then some, you know, they're, they're not cheap, those PCs, if you want to get the, the highest spec ones yeah yeah i mean heck the uh you know the sort of the oculus rift and the the, the vive aren't cheap either but um yeah no. i think i think i'd have to do it you know we complain about the whole uh, hololens is 3000 us but it's like listen man the 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 oculus may be 800 bucks but you need about three thousand dollars worth of computer to make that oculus work yep yeah, yeah, definitely. It's funny though. Use the uh, the, the hollow the uh, Oculus, and you know it's amazing and whatnot. It's absolutely fantastic. But then you try the uh, the the hollow lens on, and it's it's easily just you know it just blows out of the water. In my opinion, I was so so impressed when I tried it a few months ago. Mm-hmm. It's such a different product. It's a different. It, it, there are relatively few things I end up running the battery down on because I got distracted playing with it. Right, but the hollow lens is one of them. Where just all of a sudden you realize hours have gone by. Yeah, yeah, it's just really exciting, isn't it? You know, this whole sort of virtual yeah. reality and an augmented reality future. I can't wait. You know, it's such a, a a great time to be alive to see all this amazing technology sort of, you know, on its way. Yeah, I've, I've come to the conclusion that the Hololens concept, the augmented reality visor, is compelling enough that this will be the thing that will push us past the glass hole threshold. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know? Right. People wore the, the, the Google Glass and got, and got harassed b- about it and stopped wearing it. And it's not that you're not going to get harassed about it. It's that you're not going to care. Who was the first one who harassed you, Richard? Uh, you know, I never, I didn't wear it out enough. I, I wore it, you know, walking the dog a couple of times and so forth. But, you know, there are places you just shouldn't take <laughs> uh, a Google Glass because it's got a camera on it. And that upsets a certain number of people. Yeah. But, you know, to the Starbucks wasn't one of them. Mostly people wanted to try it on. Oh, that's cool. But I think you think back to 2006 when, you know, the iPhone first came out and so forth. 
And walking around carrying your phone, you know, in front of your face was inappropriate. People made fun of you. Like it was very much the glass hole effect, but you didn't care. I still kind of make fun of people who wear the Bluetooth headsets and walk down the street talking to themselves, or they seem like they're talking to themselves, but yeah, they're just really the, the a- only difference between them and a schizophrenic is the blue glory earlobe. <laughs> That's really true. <laughs> now everybody's walking around with a phone in front of themselves so with, a, with a release of Pokemon Go. Yeah. Oh my God. It's insane. Oh my God. You guys, I saw this thing on, uh, Kelly showed this to me, a, uh, a press conference. I don't know if it was a senator or some state thing or government, whatever, but he, he was reading, uh, you know, a statement for the press. And there's all these people there and there's a, a reporter in the front and you can't see him, but the, 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 the guy giving the press conference looks down at him mid sentence and says, you're using Pokemon, aren't you? <laughs> and the guy says, <laughs> guy says, yeah. <laughs> and and he he gives him a sort of a dirty look and he continues on and he finishes a sentence and then he looks at the guy again and says, so did you catch one? <laughs> and the guy says, guy says, no. <laughs> I was distracted by a press conference. Can you believe that? You can yeah. definitely tell who's playing it and who's not when you see people walking yeah. along with their phones. It's usually the people bumping into things that are playing it. I will try to get a link to that for the show notes. That it was yeah, unbelievable, it but it's super interesting to see. You know, how, this is how we push past social norms. Mm. This yeah. is what it looks like. Yep. Let's talk about testing. You can interface the CLI to, I, I guess, it's Karma. But what about uh, unit testing? Yeah, so no, it's there's also a story there for the the unit testing. You you've got basically unit testing and end to end testing. Um, the nice thing about components is they're sort of self describing components, and the services themselves as well are just plain old JavaScript classes. So um, yeah, they're they're quite easy to unit test, which is great. But with the end to end testing, you know, you get that kind of that very sort of deep test where you go from the browser all the way down. You know, you see sort of Chrome load up and it starts yeah. clicking through your application. Um, yeah, sort of test, yeah. testing it that way. So the end-to-end tester is Protractor? Yes, yes, it is Protractor. Awesome. Tell us all about Protractor. Or is it Protractor? Protractor, pro, Protractor? Yes. Tomato, tomato. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, I don't, I don't have a huge amount of experience in, in Protractor. I'm conscious now the way I'm pronouncing it now you said that. Um, since using the, the Angular CLI, all I know is I run a command and my, uh, my, you know, my Chrome pops up and it starts running through my application. Nice. You know, what, what better way of abstracting the problems you need than that? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Until I run into a problem, that is. I don't need to know because it's automated now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's very compelling and, and, and sort of important. Although hopefully, I mean, you're, you are presuming that the CLI is going to generate decent tests for you from your application definitions. Yeah, so it only it, it generates a base first test of loading the components and that's it. Um, right. you know, it doesn't it doesn't go any deeper than that. You actually then have to kind of take control and start writing those tests yourself. Um, okay. the same with the unit tests, you know, it's just an initial test just so you can run your ng test command and um, you know, see those tests passing at that point then you need to start adding your own tests in. You know, with all of these integrations is there an easy way to integrate existing tools that maybe aren't sort of in the box? From my understanding at the moment, there's not, no. I mean, at the, and I could be completely wrong on this, so don't quote me on it, but, mm. um, because it's still in its early phase, it's still, it's still quite opinionated in what tools to use. But I know, having listened to people sort of talking about this CLI, that there, there are plans to kind of open it up to allow it to be a bit mm. more, um, allow you to be a bit more selective over what's used. 
But from the get-go right now, if you were to go out and try it, then, you know, it's not so easy. That's not to say it's impossible, but you'll probably you'll, you'll have a harder time trying to do it than you yeah, know than if you yeah. were to do it standalone by by going through the angler 2 two docks which is always another viable option you know if you do want to get going with angler 2 is actually just doing it via the docks versus going mm-hmm. via the, the the cli route i'm not sure what that means do it via the docks how do you how would you do that so the document the documentation at the moment um it takes about sort of if, if you want to get through it quickly it takes about five minutes tops um of just mm-hmm. installing and setting up angler 2 in its rawest form whereas you can download the and that is literally just angular 2 by itself um right. versus going through the cli which kind of gives you all the testing infrastructure um and, and then the building infrastructure and publishing infrastructure okay i get it yeah so yeah. You, you mean there is a way to roll your own on everything you want but they are being opinionated essentially with a script in the form of the CLI to set up a standard set of tools. It takes a little longer to, to get set up. But after that, you've got all these pieces you know work together. You know what this is? It's a tribe generator. Huh. A what? Because we, you know, well, we've been talking about this for a while now because not all JavaScript libraries get along, right? And it's sort of an art form of, so what's your tribe of JavaScript libraries? This mixture of, you know, this front end piece and that bag end piece and this binding piece and that test library and that reactive framework and, and so forth. And so you sort of build up a, a suite, a tribe of, of tools. By using the Angular CLI, you're getting this set of libraries you know work together and are automated together. It's a tribe generator. Yes, I see what you mean. Yes, that's very true. Very cool. Yeah, so um, this uh, the CLI as well, um, just before we move on, um, another, another great ability it has is the ability to um, deploy to GitHub pages. Um, so straight from the CLI, you can you can deploy your your epic um, dog owners <laughs> guest book to uh, to GitHub pages. It's like a, an early prototype, and it'll do all of that that hard work for you. Nice. Wow. So there's you know there's no reason to fail. Right. Sure. And it's yeah, it's also got support for offline applications, which is you know, is quite amazing in itself. So going back to uh, the the ng conf where they were talking about it being more of a a platform that you can use across a variety of of devices, uh, they've got right. this whole concept of offline support. So you can start to use it in, in mobile phones, where it kind of leans on um, on a HTML5 service worker to allow you to um, you know create a, a a really progressive web app. You know what I like about this, the, the deploy, you know, GitHub pages, deploy, ng, GitHub dash pages, colon, deploy, is that you don't have to use a separate GitHub client. Yes. Or Git client. I agree. Actually. Yeah. 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 Just straight yeah. from the, the CLI like that. I like it. Well, it's one API talking to another, right? It sort of makes sense, but it's just, it does. again, one less thing to get in your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's ultimately, I guess, if you're, you know, if you're encouraging people to use your, your framework, um, you, you want to try and reduce that barriers as much as possible. Yeah. There's a real art form to, I'm, I'm making this library that I use and I want you to be able to use it, but you're not me. So, you know, where do the differences lie? What dependencies have I taken? Cause I'm used to them and you're not, and they're now an impediment to you, you know, using the project and even stuff like GitHub pages for just being able to put, and maintain the knowledge base around your library. We're getting better at sort of saying, here are the bits that really go together nicely so that uh, we have a common set of features we can all count on. Yeah, definitely. It's it's interesting just to see. And, it, and the trick here is if you fight this, you're really impairing yourself. Like it's much harder to get a project working well with others. 
Yeah, and I think ultimately people are, you know, can be quite lazy. They want it there and they want it then, don't they? They don't want to spend all this time kind of trying to configure these things. They basically just want to, to get up and running sooner yeah. rather than later. You know, people have got work to do. And now that we've delivered that to them, they're even less tolerant, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. the fact <laughs> yeah, that it can it. be that painless, yep. it's like, why can't you be like X library? Mm. Yeah, you're shooting yourself in the foot really, aren't you? Yeah, well, the bar keeps going up, and these are just tools that make it easier to get there. So it's an interesting incentive to just say, hey, it's it's in your best interest to go down this path just because it gets you these ingredients that people have come to expect. Yes. There's a couple other uh, commands that I want to talk about um, just briefly to let people know they're there. E to E, which runs all end-to-end tests that are yep. defined in the app using Protractor. Yep. So uh, – Anyone familiar with Protractor, that's going to be welcome news for you. Um, then there's ng format, which formats the code using clang format, which is nice. Kind of polish it up a little. You're spoiled for choice, really, aren't you? There's also um, CSS preprocessor integration there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and another really good one is that updating. Um, updating Angular. You know, it's getting to the point where they're talking about... Um, when it comes to updates uh, in in Angular 2 being released, instead of having to go through your code base and, and look for any kind of any broken areas, any issues, you can literally just do it from the command line and it will you know, it will update it. I love it. That's very NuGet. Yeah, definitely. Um, mm. You know, and actually updates sort of some of the, the, the Angular 2 files as well. The nice thing about it being written in um, in TypeScript is you've got all that sort of the the Angular team have that kind of you know that, that static analysis they can do to the the Angular code base. By the way, I don't know, this is a little known fact, but every time I say the word NuGet on .NET Rocks, Jeffrey Fritz tweets. (laughs) (laughs) Every time. (laughs) Every time. Um, uh, ng-completion, which adds autocomplete functionality to your shell for ng-commands. That's kind of neat. Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? Again, that one's one of the uh, the ones that are still kind of quite early, but um, yeah, it's a a promise they've got there to, to fulfill that. And then, of course, you can search the docs with ng under uh, ng space doc. Opens a browser window with a keyword as a search in Angular documentation. So if you're living in the CLI and you just want to say, "What the heck is that again?" Just a couple of keystrokes and poof. Yeah, it's a sport for choice, really, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, is there anything that you wish was there uh, functionality-wise that isn't? I think the thing that I'm really holding out for is that that kind of extensibility and the modularity to yeah. it. You know, there are some of these things that uh, you know that I want to be able to to remove um, and just have that that little bit more flexibility to customize the the CLI and the sort of final project output mm. the way I would like to. Um, I think one thing you always have to be careful of with CLIs is you know giving everybody the kitchen sink when really all they want is. It's a really bad analogy, really, but uh, it, all they want is is the tap. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of like word for Windows syndrome, right? You know, when when Word became very very popular, they started throwing all these features in it, and you know, most people use five percent of the features of Word. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. For sure. But mm-hmm. never the same five percent, right? It's like maybe three percent everybody uses, and the other two is spread all over this other ninety something percent of the feature set. Yeah. Before um you know before we continue, I just want to talk about uh, we had at the the .NET Southwest meetup that uh, myself and a few others run. We had Steve Sanson talking about his his recent Angular services um, libraries that he's been working on, 
Um, and it's been great to see sort of, you know, the, 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 the .NET core team, um, sort of supporting these, you know, these kind of next generation front end applications. Um, and it's really amazing to see some of the, the, the things that Steve's been working on. I mean, we were, we were quite blown away with, with what he was doing there. Um, sort of hot, hot swapping and, and sort of the validation that goes into the library. So again, you can kind of get set up within a, a .NET core application right away, just using some of these, uh, these, these middleware libraries that he's been creating. Yeah, that's he just thinks about these problems harder than most of us. You know, every time we talk to him, he kind of wows us with this just a deep understanding of the problem. Mm. You know, going all the way back, you know, back from Knockout, which has been around for a long time now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we were, you know, we were blown away by some of the things that he was he was showing us. Um, you know, it got to the point where he was he was running sort of npm packages within .NET Core via a um, you know a node service that he was he was creating and actually consuming npm packages. It was just it was mind blowing. But he, you know the the the, uh, the Angular services library has everything you need there for sort of pre-rendering one of the big concerns with sort of rich client-side applications is the fact that they're not you know they're not search engine friendly um yeah. and also that initial kind of first hit can be can can be quite big um things like pre-rendering on the server kind of really does solve a lot of problems and and, and reservations that people have about using such mm-hmm. libraries as angular or you know any others out there yeah no kidding I would definitely recommend people check out uh, Steve's um, NDC talk on, on Angular services online um, if, you're, if you are interested in Angular 2 and .NET Core. Absolutely. Joseph, thank you very much for spending this hour with us or so. It's been, it's been fantastic. Yeah, it's been great fun. Thank you. All right. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got